0: Where have you pictured yourself in the stories of Jesus? Not done that yet? Then maybe today you can begin. What about last Sunday as we talked about Palm Sunday in the beginning of this Lenten season? Did that catch you off guard? As we make this journey, one day at a time, going through the Holy Week before Easter, Let us not be caught off guard with a message, a message that God might be telling us personally or as the church. Jesus was walking with his disciples the day after Palm Sunday on his way to the temple, and when they get there, what happened? Mandy, in her story to the children, began to share with us this story that comes from the Gospel of John. Mark has a similar story. So I invite you to turn with me now to Mark chapter 11. Beginning at verse 15, as we look at this same story from Mark's point of view. Jesus drove out those who were selling and buying He overturned the tables of the money changers and those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. Hold your scripture, we'll refer to it later. But for us to better understand this message in Jesus' time, I think it's important for us to look at the temple and the configuration of the temple. You see it as it will appear on the screen or it's also on your worship guide this morning. The temple, remember, was rebuilt from the first one of Solomon's temple. It was the focal point of Jerusalem. It was doubled in size. Some even say it was 36 acres. On the outside, and the area I really want to focus on, is the Court of Gentiles. It's a square courtyard, 233 feet on each side. Now, football field is about 360 feet. So it's about two-thirds of a, of a football field. Anyone who could come into this court of Gentile, the Jew or the Gentile. But there was a sign in the enter circle there where if a Gentile passed and entered too far, the penalty could be death. So as you close in on the temple and get a little closer, you have the court of women where any Jew could enter. And the Jewish women would come and offer a sacrifice specifically here in this place. But it was the furthest they could go, and then closer in is the court of Israelites, Jewish men only. Israelites would celebrate grand occasions here, and offerings were handed by the worshipers to the priest. And then the tallest building there in the middle, this was the actual temple, the Holy of Holies, where the priest would enter once a year. But again, I want to focus on that court of Gentiles as we look at the bigger picture. This is where Jesus came. Look how massive it is. Imagine how many people would be gathered in this space, how crowded it would be. This outer area was meant to be a place of preparation and focus as you prepare to spend time with God and prepare the sacrifice that you have brought. But it had become a commercialized marketplace a tourist attraction during this pilgrimage festival that everybody was coming to town for. Maybe it was even a vacation spot, a place you could catch your friends and see the big city. It was crowded, it was noisy, and Jesus was upset by all this that was taking place. But what specifically got him so angry? Well, I think, again, understanding what was taking place during this time helps us. Every Jew had to pay a temple tax. This was done at Passover time. And the, pass, excuse me, the tax was half a shekel every year. About two days wages. Not too bad, I guess, for the time. But it had to be paid in the currency of the temple. And the currency of the temple was the shekel. Now, if you didn't have shekels, And you brought your own money, especially Roman money, that was considered to be an abomination to the Lord. So you had to use the shekel. And to convert your money to the shekels, guess what you were charged? A fee. And if you didn't bring the exact change, guess what you were charged? A fee. Sounds familiar today, doesn't it? So to pay the tax was almost two days' wages, and the fees often were a half a day's wages. But when it came to sacrifices in the temple, doves were the most common. Remember Mary and Joseph, they went to the temple and offered a sacrifice for two doves according to the law for Jesus' birth. But you could bring your own sacrifice if you wanted to, your own doves. Many traveled a long distance and so that wasn't real feasible. You could buy them outside the temple for about a day's wages, not too bad. But any animal that was brought for a sacrifice that was brought into the temple had to be inspected by the temple inspectors. And they usually found something wrong with the sacrifices that were brought into the temple walls. So inside the walls you would have to buy your sacrifice and it would sometimes cost up to three weeks of wages. Compare that to one day of wages for those that were bought outside. The temple walls. Are you getting the picture here? Are you beginning to understand what's taking place and going on? With fees to exchange money and exponential inflation to buy these sacrificial animals to make an offering, you could see the abuse that was happening in the marketplace. Extreme extortion of the pilgrims who were coming to pay their religious respects. Who were seeking to fulfill their religious obligations. You can see why Jesus would be upset. A noticeable difference here between Jesus' common demeanor and especially the festiveness of the festival going on around. People were not being treated as worshipers, but as palms, as pawns for selfish gain. God doesn't like it when people are exploited, oppressed, or abused. Where was the presence of God in this commercialized marketplace? I think it would have been hard-pressed to find Him. Thus we see that Jesus reminds the people of what the church shall be. Turn back to Mark chapter 11, verse 17, that we see this morning. A house of prayer. For all nations. And then what does he say? But what have you turned it into? A den of robbers. People were familiar with robbers. On the road from Jericho to Jerusalem was a common place that people were robbed. There were caves, there were narrow narrow trails. And the robbers would hide out and knew that people were bringing money to the temple so that they would rob and steal their money along the way. A den of robbers figuratively is a hideout for wrongdoers. Jesus is saying that these traitors in the court of Gentiles are just as bad as the robbers on the road as the traitors were in hiding inside the temple and robbing them of their money and using the temple to cover up and justify their actions. Where do we go? What do we do to justify our selfish actions? Jesus says his house. Jesus says the church shall be a house of prayer. Here Isaiah 56:7. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on the altar. For my house should be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Two brief reflections, one inspired by William Barclay. Jesus quotes Isaiah that his house should be called a house of prayer. Who or for who? All people. Remember what was on the wall at the inner part of the court of Gentiles. That if you went past this point as a Gentile, the penalty was death. Perhaps Jesus was moved to deep anger at the exclusivity that the Jews had made by separating themselves from others in their worship. Only Jews could get close to the temple. Maybe Jesus is reminding them that God loved all people, not just the Jews. The other reflection deals with the Gentile and the court of Gentiles. Have you ever wondered why did the Gentiles come to the temple in the first place? What did they come to do? What's been their motivation, their focus, their purpose? Was it business? That kind of seems obvious. Easy way to make some money. Perhaps they were just curious onlookers. Perhaps even the businessmen could be touched by the presence of God moving in such a place as the temple. But what would you think a Gentile's impression of worship would be in this moment, in this place, in this time? Not very positive amidst all of the commotion. Probably not a place that I would enjoy worship. Maybe you wouldn't either. Jesus said his house was to be known as a house of prayer. But it seems that's the farthest thing from it that's taking place. How could you pray with all the commotion going on? What about this church? What about Emmanuel? What is Emmanuel known for? What role does prayer play? What a powerful weekend and statement to the importance of prayer the women's retreat this weekend was, and I pray continues. The most important part of the church is our relationship with God. Do people come into these doors of this church meeting God, spending time with God, and encountering God? Or is there a lot of distraction that distracts people from the purpose and it's hard to experience God? I hope you've heard before the vision of this church is to be a growing and vital community where Christ Is transforming lives but in order for Christ to transform lives people must meet Christ in what we do and who we are if what we do is not about spending time with God then I think we've missed the big picture and if our doors are not open then I think we are just as guilty as the early Israelites there's much this passage has to offer us, but there's two specific points that I don't want to forget and leave out this morning. One is about the cleansing of the temple before the cleansing of the temple in Mark, and another is after the cleansing of the temple in John. So go back to Mark chapter 11. We refer to verses 15 and 17, but go back to verse 12. On the way to the temple, in this day after Palm Sunday, before they get to the temple, what does Jesus do? What does he curse? The fig tree. He curses the fig tree that has no fruit, even though it's not fig season. The fig tree has become an image of the temple. Just like the fig tree's not producing figs, what about the temple? Is it producing fruit? Which it's not. This story helps prepare us for what's about to happen to the temple. I think it's easier for us to understand this passage that happens before the cleansing of the temple after we've known what's taking place in the temple that we begin to see the correlation together. Now flip over to John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, one more book, John chapter 2 and the verses that Mandy read with her children this morning. Beginning in verse 13 through 17, we see the cleansing of the temple. But then let me pick up at verse 18 again this morning. John chapter 2, verse 18. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answers them, Destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, This temple has been under construction For forty-six days, and you will raise it up in three? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. John shifts here from the actual metaphor of the temple being the temple itself to Jesus' body being the temple. Jewish followers would have found comfort in this. We find comfort in our time of communion. Not only is the house of God, not only is the temple to be holy, but the body of God and Jesus Christ is to be holy. And it's that holiness which we seek to flow through us. So how will all faith be displayed this Lenten season? Let us not miss as individuals and as the church perhaps a lesson, a moment, a message that God is teaching us as confusing as it is or as obvious as it may be. May our lives be centered around our faith. May our lives be centered around our faith in God through Christ. Not our faith centered around our lives. And may our church be a praying place a house of prayer and a welcoming place for all who want to come and be transformed by his presence. The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.